Welcome to The Conscious Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Alex Raymond. This is the only podcast that is 100% dedicated to the well-being of entrepreneurs. Now, I know that being an entrepreneur is a long journey and it can be really tough. So on this show, we won't be sharing generic hero stories or talking about mythical unicorns. Instead, we'll get straight to the heart of what matters most, giving you tools and resources to grow, thrive, and succeed as an entrepreneur. Every week, I'll be speaking with incredible founders, CEOs, coaches, and authors to help you be more resilient and inspired as you build the business of your dreams. In the summer of 2021, I first decided to start the Conscious Entrepreneur Summit as a way of bringing together ambitious entrepreneurs who are dedicated to their own spiritual and personal growth. The very first person I reached out to to see if they'd be interested in speaking and joining this movement uh, was today's guest, Dr. Srikumar Rao. Now, you may not have heard of him before, but I can assure you that his ideas have the potential to totally change how you see the world. His three books, I'll just share personally, have been hugely important in reframing my views of myself as an entrepreneur, CEO, husband, and friend. Dr. Rao created one of the most popular MBA courses ever called Creativity and Personal Mastery, which he taught at Columbia Business School, London Business School, Kellogg, and Berkeley Haas. He's also been an elite coach to hundreds of executives and CEOs. And he's just about to launch a really incredible mastermind program for entrepreneurs who want to get out of their own way. On today's episode, we talk about why we're using the wrong metrics to measure success and how to be so happy that your blood is singing all of the time. We also talk about how you can quiet your mental chatter, reduce the struggle and striving in your life, and be free of the demons that drive you. Finally, Dr. Rao shares why becoming a business titan is your spiritual path. This is a great one. I hope you enjoy this episode of the Conscious Entrepreneur Podcast with Dr. Srikumar Rao. Hey, Dr. Srikumar Rao, welcome to the Conscious Entrepreneur Podcast. It's great to see you, my friend. Thank you, Alex. I've had such a wonderful time at your summits, and I'm very much looking forward to our conversation. I mean, you have literally been at uh, the Conscious Entrepreneur Summit since day one. You, as as you know, but a lot of people don't know, you were the first person that I ever reached out to to say, hey, if I did this thing, if I put together this event, would you come and talk? And I found your email just randomly somewhere on the on the internet, uh, sent you a note, and you replied within, within less than an hour uh, saying yes. And we've had such a great connection since then. And I'm so grateful uh, that you've been a part of our of our journey. Now, you're your thinking and your work has been really foundational uh, for me. I came across it about three and a half years ago, and it's really gone into the ethos of Conscious Entrepreneur. Uh, you've got three books, at least three books that I'm aware of, which are Are You Ready to Succeed, Happiness at Work, and then the most recent one, Modern Wisdom, Ancient Roots, which is right here. Now, the most recent book, Modern Wisdom, Ancient Roots, is also called, or the subtitle, The Mover and Shaker's Guide to Unstoppable Success. And where I want to start our conversation is on that keyword of success. Now, Dr. Rao, 
I know you've worked with just a huge number of entrepreneurs and leaders over the decades. What is the thing that most entrepreneurs get wrong about their definition of success? What most entrepreneurs get wrong, Alex, is that they define success by external metrics. And some of those metrics have to do with uh, the revenues of the company, how big it is, how much acclaim it gets. And some of it has to do with uh, markers like uh, how big their bank account is and do they have a big mansion, a private plane, a yacht, you know, various things like that. And also, how are they regarded? You know, do people reach out to them because they're famous and they want their opinions? You know, stuff like that. And I think that if that is how you define success, you're on a very slippery road and uh, you're not in a very good place internally because your internal well-being is dependent upon other people's actions and behaviors, which, of course, you don't control. My definition of success is different. My definition of success is do you wake up in the morning with your blood literally singing at the thought of being who you are and doing what you do? Do you come radiantly alive? If you're not there all the time, are you there at least a portion of the time each day? Do you feel that you could sink to your knees in involuntary gratitude to the tremendous good fortune that has been bestowed on you? And maybe, you know, do you feel as if you're not walking at all, but you're joyously floating through the air, touching ground every hundred yards or so? Now, that is a vision, and you might not get there, but at least is that the journey you're on so that you can reach there? And at least some of the time, are you happy, radiantly happy for no reason at all? You know, just just being. That is what I define as success. And so you work with uh, a lot of uh, a lot of entrepreneurs and leaders as sort of an elite personal coach. And I know that your uh, your work has really influenced a number of people. How does your coaching practice, or how does your approach differ from others? I know a lot of coaches. There are a lot of coaches at the summit. There's a lot of people who are obviously out there helping entrepreneurs with their business. What's different about how you approach this? The vast majority of coaches, not all, but the vast majority, are very busy in helping their clients accomplish something that their clients define as I need. So, for example, a client might say, you know, I need more, I need to build better teams. So you hire a coach to help you build better teams. Or I need to communicate better. So you hire a coach to help you communicate better. And that's not the approach I take. The approach I take is you are on a spiritual journey. And the ultimate aim of this spiritual journey is to recognize that you're not who you think you are. Who you are is pure awareness. So this notion that you have, you know, I'm Alex, I'm married to Laura, and I'm running a company, and, you know, I'm looking to see how I can expand. That's a storyline, and you're telling yourself that. In reality, you're right next to the kingdom of heaven, and your job is to enter. And that the kingdom of heaven is inside you, it's not outside. Okay? So that is the journey we're on. We're all stuck in what in India we call Maya. 
you can loosely translate it as the great illusion that you're a particular body-mind-intellect complex. So the idea is that you have to get out of this illusion. You have to transcend this illusion. And transcending this illusion could be a journey of a lifetime or many lifetimes. But as long as you are stuck in the illusion, you might as well enjoy it. And everything that comes into your life, your partner or spouse, your children, your business, your friends, everything is a tool given to you by a benevolent universe. So you want to grow your business, you want to take care of your employees, you do it to the best extent you're capable of. But in the process of doing that, what you're really doing is you're working on yourself. You want to be the best parent you can if you have children, but in the process of doing that, you're really working on yourself. The only thing you ever do in life is you work on yourself. That's my basic philosophy. So those who resonate with it immediately recognize that this is it, and they say, yes, I want to work with you. And those who don't resonate with it, are not ideal coaching clients for me, so I wish them well. And sometimes I refer them to others. Well, the, this concept of all you ever do is work on yourself, I just want to make very clear, this is not something that you know just landed in your lap six months ago. This is something that you have been developing over decades uh, in the yes. course Creativity and, and Personal Mastery, which was one of the best known and most loved MBA courses at places like Columbia and London, London Business School. And so this is stuff that has been with you for a really long time. Um, and so I think it's important to share that. Now, this concept of all we ever do is, is work on ourselves is the sort of thing that, you know, when I first heard it, I thought, yeah, okay, I, I get that at an in intellectual level. Uh, and I will tell you that now that I'm over three years in of, of doing the work that, that, uh, comes from you, I'm starting to be more aware of that in my body. So it's, I'm, I'm, it's the sort of thing that I'm actually starting to really understand. But for a lot of people, you know, it probably just sounds like a phrase, you know, at the beginning. And how do we then, or how do you kind of make sure it lands with people? Is this, is this part of how you are attracting your ideal uh, coaching clients or what do you find there? Uh, what I find there is that even though it's an intellectual concept, even for me, it's unfortunately more of an intellectual concept than I would like it to be, but it's becoming more and more embedded in me. There are many people who, even though they initially see it and say, yeah, yeah, that's, that's so, somehow or other, it has a deep attractive power. And they say, yes, you know, that is really right. And I would like to know more about this. So even if they don't completely understand it, they're instinctively, intuitively drawn to it. And those are the people who reach out to me, and those are the ones who make the best coaching clients for me. The way that it comes up for me is, so, so in, my, in my job as, a, as CEO of CAPTA, you know, we have all sorts of moving parts in the business all the time. And so we have something that, you know, some good news that happens, some bad news that happens, some challenge or friction point or what have you. And when I can, uh, I simply kind of generate this awareness or I tap into the awareness that hey, this is an opportunity for me to do something 
interesting. This is an opportunity for me to grow. I may not like what's about to happen, or I may not like what's going on, or I might find that I'm resisting it. And at the same time, if I can acknowledge that resistance and say, okay, this is happening. I can't change the fact that XYZ happened. But what I can do is change how I'm going to approach it, change how I'm going to show up, change the lessons that I'm going to absorb uh, from this. And so I do that in my job at CAPTA. I certainly do that in my relationship with my wife. Uh, not always as successfully or as smoothly as I might think I want, but try to see this as what am I learning? How do I grow? And so the more this gets into me, the more I'm starting to understand that, hey, if I can improve my inner world, if I can change how I'm thinking or change how I'm feeling on the inside, that's going to have positive repercussions. It's going to have positive effects in my relationship, in my work, in conscious entrepreneur, in all that stuff. And so that's sort of how I've started to gravitate toward it. Does that sound right? Is that the sort of approach you would exactly recommend? Right. That is exactly the way to do it, Alex. And bit by bit, it's like, you know, you have a absorbent white cotton towel. In India, you use very thin towels because it's much better to get yourself dry fast. And if you put a portion of it into an ink bottle and you leave it overnight and you'll find that it's soaked up and the entire towel is black, it's exactly the same way. It starts with that and these ideas edge their way into your mind and then into your conscious being and very soon you're doing it without conscious reflection. In fact, for persons who take creativity in personal mastery, I frequently tell them the greatest benefit you're going to get is long after the formal course has ended and all of the exercises you do cease being exercises. They simply become part of who you are. And that's when you'll find that the greatest benefits are coming to you and how much your life has been transformed. Yeah, that's certainly been the case for, for us. So you, uh, you gave a talk at the first Conscious Entrepreneur Summit in May of 2022 in, in Denver. Uh, and then you came back uh, this year in June in in Boulder, and we had that whole one day session. And then you, we had that whole one day workshop, and then uh, you did the talk on day one of the event. And it's really meaningful because you know you only absorb so much when you're there in person. But if the kernels get planted, if the seeds get planted, then it uh, uh, the, you know then it's something that you can take with you over time. I want to remind you of the title that you gave to that workshop and then get your get your feedback on it. So we had about 20 people. This is on um, the day before the Conscious Entrepreneur Summit in June 2023 here in Boulder, Colorado. And we decided to put together this workshop uh, up, at, up at a beautiful space. And there was about 20 entrepreneurs in the room. Now, the title that you picked for this workshop, I'm going to read it to you. And I want I want you to tell us how you came up with this and why you chose this as your title is turbocharge your business to reach new orbits of accomplishment while remaining as serene as a Zen monk. <laughs> Where did that inspiration come from? That inspiration actually came from uh, uh, something that uh, Sai Baba, Shirdi Sai Baba, who's an Indian mystic, uh, once said. He was asked, you know that life is a spiritual journey and it's all about recognizing that you're pure spirit 
And here are all these people who come to you with mundane requests or, you know, uh, uh, prayers, you know, I, I, I need a sheep for my, you know, farm or I need a goat or I need more money, I need a house. And very often you grant them, sometimes by way of miracles, why do you do that? And Sridhi Sai Baba replied, I give them what they want, so eventually they will come to me for what I want to give them. <laughs> so in exactly the same way, entrepreneurs are always interested in growing their business. They're also interested in uh, uh, success as defined conventionally. But at the same time, they also have a spiritual bent, and they know they have it, but uh, it's somewhat in abeyance because it's drowned out by all of the demands on their time. And they know that they're all, there's always an undercurrent of tension in their lives. So wherever there are, that undercurrent is always there, sometimes very strong, sometimes weaker, but it's there. Something is bothering them, something they need to do. So very often they're physically someplace, but they're mentally not there at all. And they recognize that. So that's the promise, you know, grow your business, but remain serene as a Zen monk. And uh, I use Zen monk deliberately because, you know, that has connotations of spirituality. So the people who are attracted by that headline are probably going to make good coaching clients for me. So that's how that came about. Uh, I really like the reference to Shirdi Sai Baba, and I have several pictures and statues of Shirdi Sai Baba here in the house. I've read the Sri Sai Sacharita. Uh, Laura and I spent a lot of time uh, at an ashram in India that is uh, essentially a, a Baba ashram. Uh, and so that's something that resonates uh, very, very, very deeply. Yeah, thanks. I did not know that, but I can fully, fully understand that. I'm not surprised. I want to come back to something you mentioned earlier. Uh, you talked about how when we are thinking about our role in the world as entrepreneurs or simply as, as humans, um, that, to take advantage of the fact that, the, that we live in a benevolent universe. Mm -hmm. And I've heard you say this before, that you know, we should assume that the universe has our backs, that things that are happening to us are happening to us for a reason. And to many of the entrepreneurs that I know, uh, that I've, you know, engage with and talk to over over years this is the sort of thing again that sort of sounds interesting but is not the daily experience because what we're taught if i can use that phrase what we're taught is it's us against the world and we've got to go out there and make a dent in the universe and our businesses are all about pushing a rock up a hill and sort of exerting our will if you will and and so a lot of that is you know symbolism of me against the world and I've got to solve things and fix things and, and so on. And, and, and we don't really internalize this idea that, Hey, the universe is actually supporting us in, in our journey. And, and one of the things that I really appreciate about your work is the way that we're shifting mindset. So, so we're not working in the physical realm, so to speak, we're working in terms of how do I see the world? And for me, this is a really big one. And I'm, I'm not all the way there on the benevolent universe piece. Uh, how do I how do I get there, or what are the most common questions that people have about this topic? Uh, first of all, Alex, I must make the point that society, by and large, indoctrinates us in all of the manners which are 
completely the opposite of what I teach. So yes, society does tell you, you've got to go out and look out for number one. If you're not going to do it, nobody's going to do it. And you have to work hard and strive and you make things happen. Now that's a model. And many people use that model. And through that model, they do reach whatever level of success they did. And they say, hey, look, I did it. That's sort of the standard operating model, if you will. Exactly. But look at the standard operating model and then look at your life and say, am I better off as a result of this? You know, every when I was teaching at top business schools, every time I taught a course, somebody would come up. Let me, as an example, use the first time it happened. I was teaching at Columbia Business School and this woman came up. And she said, Professor Rao, I was at, and she mentioned a remote village in a third world country. And she said, the people had nothing. And by the, peop- by the phrase, the people had nothing, she meant they didn't have uh, things we take for granted, indoor toilets, running water, hot and cold running water, reliable electricity. They certainly didn't have internets and email and smartphones. And she said, but but they seemed so happy. And there was almost an aggrieved note in her voice. You know, how can they not have all this and they're, they're happy, whereas I have all of that and I feel as if I'm lugging a 100-pound rock on my head. So that's the thing. I invite uh, the persons who buy into the first model that you've got to struggle, you've got to work hard, you've got to look after number one. Look at your internal life. Are you happy? Can you sit down and enjoy a cup of tea? Are you ever free, really free, of the demons that drive you internally? And most of them have never even considered that, but when they consider it, they recognize, no, you know, I'm always beset by something. If, my, if I don't have my cell phone, then I get uh, uneasy. So fine, you know, if that's the life you want, go be with. But if that's not the life you want, if you want to be happy, if you want to go back to the days of your childhood when a nickel was better than a dime because it was bigger and you could spend an hour watching a kitten or a puppy chase its tail, do you remember that? Don't you want to go back to that? And I frequently read them a passage from a wonderful spiritual classic called The Way Way of a Pilgrim. And it basically talks about, you know, he was filled with such joy, not joy for something, but just inherent joy, no reason whatsoever. And he literally felt that there could be nobody happier than him in the kingdom of in the kingdom of heaven. And he was just joyous. He was tired, he had a dislocated shoulder, and you know, there was pain. In spite of all of that, you know, he was just joyous. You know, all of this stuff happens and you deal with it, but you deal with it from a space of deep well-being. That's the vision. And the moment I pointed out, those who are spiritually inclined realize, yes, that is what I really want in my life. Now, most of my coaching clients have the vague notion, yes, I want to grow spiritually. And the notion they have is I can sit down and meditate eight hours a day and grow spiritually or I can become a business titan. And my job is to show them it's not or, it's and. Becoming a business titan is 
your spiritual path. So how can you achieve it and do what you need to do in business while on your spiritual path? And the answer to that is simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. The answer to that is constantly have in your mind that all of this is a role that you're playing and your real nature is your pure awareness. Hold that thought in mind even as you do whatever you have to do in your business. Don't do things with a sense of doership. Recognize that things are happening. Allow them to happen. There's a lot of things that you do every day, Alex, and you never think, I am doing this. You get up in the morning, you brush your teeth, you go to the toilet, you take a shower, and you never think, I am doing this. But then you come to your company and say, no, no, this is different. This is not like brushing my teeth. I have to decide whether I'm going to use this marketing strategy or not. I have to decide whether I'm going to hire this guy or not. I have to do it. You know, That's a story you're telling yourself. In reality, you can go through all of that and whatever is supposed to happen is going to happen and you're serenely allowing it to happen. Yes, you've got brains, you've got life experience, you've got education and you're using all of that. But while using all of that, you're still allowing it to happen rather than making it happen. You are an instrument. So whatever happens in your life, in your business, has uh, been determined, if you will. And who you are is the FedEx guy. You're delivering the package. The FedEx guy delivers the package, but he never for a moment thinks that he delivers the package. He just is the instrument of delivery. The package came from somewhere else. So imagine you're the FedEx guy. Whatever you're doing, you're doing to the best of your ability, but whatever the results are, which is represented by the package, comes from somewhere else. It takes a long time to really get into this. A wonderful example of this, by the way, is a book called The Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer. Mm -hmm. And I recommend that very strongly to those uh, who are listening, who are attracted to the vision I'm laying out. Let things happen. Allow them to happen. Don't make them happen. Essentially, what I'm saying is give up the sense of doership. And as you give up the sense of doership and allow the universe to unfold, you'll be pleasantly surprised at what it can do in your life. That's the message I have for entrepreneurs. The, uh, you, you know, I have an MBA from INSEAD, and so the MBA in me gets all freaked out when I hear you say, just allow things to happen and let go of doership and, uh, uh-huh. and, and see how the universe is, is supporting you. Uh, because you're right, we are, we are not trained this way. Right? We are trained yes. with the thought that, you know, uh, we have agency. Uh, we are the creators of our lives. We are the creators of everything that's happening, uh, good, bad, or ugly. I've got to take responsibility for where I am in my life, uh, and so on. And so, there's a lot to unpack there. So, in you know, in, in my case, I've got 47 years of unpacking that I need to do uh, around around this concept of benevolent universe and allowing it to unfold in front of me. Completely correct. Yes. 
But at the same time, there are people who are recognizing that uh, the way they're on is not the right way. Yesterday, I received an email from a gentleman who's uh, uh, the CEO of a very large family business. And he was saying he's got an MBA from top schools. And in fact, he's in the executive MBA of top schools. And he said, you know, I was at such a low point in my life. Everything was going well business-wise, but I was a low point internally. And I came across your teaching, and then I did your quest for personal mastery, which is a program I have on Mind Valley, and mm-hmm. it completely changed my thinking. I can feel that my life is in a different path. I've been exposed to concepts that I had never considered before. Can I come by and see you? And uh, when I said fine, and we're trying to see whether or not it makes uh, uh, whether we can logistically arrange it, but the the thought behind that, the fact that he was immediately attracted to this is not part of my life, but at a very deep level, I sense that what Dr. Rao says is absolutely correct. Those are the people that I want to speak to. Those are the people who become my coaching clients. Block your calendars for June 4th and 5th for the 2024 Conscious Entrepreneur Summit. Coming back to Boulder, Colorado, and now in its third year, the Conscious Entrepreneur Summit is the only in-person event that is 100% dedicated to the well-being of entrepreneurs. This is not your normal startup or leadership conference. We won't be talking about how to build a business plan, how to market or sell your product, or how to raise money. We also won't be talking about Bitcoin or AI. What we will talk about, though, are topics that are absolutely critical for you along your journey as an entrepreneur. Things like overcoming imposter syndrome, avoiding burnout, building resilience, and taking responsibility in your life. It's going to be a fantastic two days, and I would love for you to join us in June. Check out our website, which is ConsciousEntrepreneur.us for more information. On that note of allowing, part of what I hear there is patience. So part of what I hear there is, you know, we're always in a hurry. We're always running around and, you know, kind of really busy spinning our wheels. Uh, and, and I hear a bit of a message of, of patience. And that, that's reminding me of there's a great poem. There's a great poem by Rumi in your most recent book, which is Modern Wisdom, Ancient Roots. And uh, it's funny, it's in both the, the core of the book and it's also in the uh, foreword, which was written by Vishen Lakhiani, the CEO of Mindvalley, uh, which by the way, that's how I found you to begin with. So, so my wife gifted me a Mindvalley subscription during the pandemic and uh, it was there that I first watched your program and I'm not someone who normally like takes a lot of notes on stuff. And in, in this case, I probably took like five pages of notes and I would sit there and watch it all day and rewatch the, yeah. the, the quest uh, over and over again. So that's the connection to, to Mindvalley. But let me read this quote and then I want to hear from you why you decided to put it in, in the book and, and what makes it so relevant to you. So this is a, is a poem from Rumi. When I run after what I think I want... My days are a furnace of stress and anxiety. If I sit in my own place of patience, what I need flows to me and without pain. From this, I understand that what I want also wants me, is looking for me and attracting me. 
there is a great secret here for anyone who can grasp it. Tell us about how that came to appear for you. That is a wonderful, wonderful quote, and it really struck home to me. If you look at it uh, uh, objectively, Alex, every day in our life, we're always striving. Look at your to-do list, you know, how it grows. And you're always, yeah, okay, I finished this. Now I've got to go someplace else. I've got to finish that. And then I've got a dinner engagement. And, you know, for doing, doing, doing. And in this frenetic hurriedness, we are losing our peace of mind. We're losing our chances at true joy and happiness. That's what Rumi is saying. When you're constantly rushing like that, you're missing the boat. When you're obsessed about the destination, you miss the journey. And the journey is the only thing you have. Let's say you want to climb Mount Everest. How much time do you spend on top, time on top of Mount Everest? A few minutes to a half hour max. You get up there, your buddy takes a picture of you, your buddy gets up there, you take a picture of him, and then you're on your way down, hoping you don't kill, get killed by an avalanche. So if you're going to climb Mount Everest, you better enjoy the days and weeks of acclimatization at Base Camp 1, Base Camp 2, and so on. Life is exactly like that. You're obsessed about the destination, obsessed about the goal, and when you do that, you miss the journey. And in reality, the journey is the only thing you have. The journey is with you always. The destination is a mirage. You get there, tarry a couple of hours, and then you're off someplace else. The journey, as I said before, is with you always. So enjoy the journey. Focus yourself on the journey. Enjoy each moment as it comes, even the moments when you're in stress, when things are going awry. If you're anchored in the space of I am pure consciousness, this is the role that I am playing. And you can enjoy the suffering the character is going through. You know, you go to a movie and it's a drama and it tugs at your heartstrings and you feel for the hero, the heroine, and they're going through tough times and uh, you empathize but you really enjoy the movie. Exactly the same way, enjoy whatever is happening in your life. It's no different from a movie. And you recognize that it's no different from a movie when you wake up. That's what all the sages have been telling us, wake up. So hold that thought in your head all the time. This is a drama. And then wait patiently for things to come through. Now, I want to share with you something the Buddha said and something that you said, and these two things appear to be paradoxical. The Buddha said it's very rare to have a human life. Within a human life, it's very rare for you to be in a position where you're comfortable and well-off. And within that, it is very rare for you to have a notion that you have a spiritual uh, self that you have to develop. So if you've got all of that, don't waste a second. Work hard. Achieve enlightenment right now. And on the other hand, it says, things happen at the rate they happen. The tree flowers when it is time to flower. The fruit comes when the season is right. And uh, things happen in their own time. And the two seem contradictory. 
but actually they're not contradictory. They are complementary. And to recognize that, you have to rise to a higher level of consciousness. You know, Einstein said that the major problems that we're facing in the world today cannot be solved at the same level of consciousness we were in when we created the problem. Mm -hmm. So to reconcile the two, two of these, to get to the essence of what Rumi is saying, you have to rise to a higher level of consciousness. So yes, you have to work hard and try to make what you want happen. But the work is going on, but the sense of working, the sense of struggle, the sense of busyness is not there. So if you look at a realized being like Ramana Bharshi, his days are full, he's going on, he's always doing stuff. You know, 24 hours a day, he was in the public view. Even when he slept, there were people around him just watching him sleep. But he went around and did his thing. The, the, the sense of business, the strain, oh, God, I'm doing all of this, that drops off completely. So you can be in the midst of frenetic activity, but the frenetic activity is outside from the observer's viewpoint. From your perspective, you're calm. You know, you're just doing things as they need to be done. You're focusing your attention completely on what it is that you're doing. And all the mental chatter about other things you should be doing and, you know, how is this going to get done, all of that just drops away. That is the vision that Ruby is laying out. And how about this part, what I want also wants me? What's the energy behind that? The energy behind that is everything that is given to you was a thought given to you by the universe. The thought given to Alex, I should reach out to Sri Kumar Rao and get see if I can enroll him for the Conscious Entrepreneur Summit. Or I should want to start the Conscious Entrepreneur Summit. Those are not things that sprang up by fluke or chance. Those were thoughts put into your head by the universe. And they found resonance with you and you went out and you put in your elbow grease and it happened. In exactly the same way, whatever is your path in life, which is going to give you your spiritual growth, is going to come into your life. Recognize that and be patient. I find a lot of... Uh... Solace, I guess, is the word with that phrase. What I want also wants me. It, it helps when I think about uh, the direction of my life or inspiration in my life or how well aligned what I'm doing is with my values, you know, assuming that I have those right after all. But those are, those are some of the things that I find it, it you know, supported in that particular phrase. Um, you mentioned earlier something I want to... Uh, I want to talk about it in a little bit more detail. You talked about, you know, as you're going through life, struggles going to happen, things are going to happen. Enjoy the process, be in the process. For entrepreneurs, uh, struggle is no mean feat, right? I mean, we do this all the time, right. and the general sense is uh, there's a lot of work, there's a lot of effort, there's a lot of things that uh, are outside of our control that you know could go right, but more more than often than not, go wrong. Um, and so what is a uh, method, what's a mindset shift for dealing with stress, for dealing with uh, all these things that come with being an entrepreneur? 
I've heard you talk about, you know, the tsunami uh, of things that are happening to us. And can I learn to surf on the tsunami instead of getting, you know, knocked over by it? But what are the things that, that, you know, someone can put into practice in their life that can be immediately helpful when they're dealing in the journey with a lot of stress? Here's the first thing. People have a misconception about why they feel stress. I've talked to thousands of people on six continents. Why do you feel stress in your life? And of course, they told me, and they had dozens of reasons, and I was able to boil them down into eight categories. And everybody says, I feel stressed because of this. I'll tell you some of those categories. One is financial. I don't have enough money. Uh, and it could be either personally or for your business. I want to undertake a major expansion and the bank won't give me additional credit. Could, could, could be relationships, typically with partner or spouse, but could be with children, siblings, bosses, colleagues, vendors, shareholders, anybody. You would like them to be harmonious and they're not. Uh, it could be work or career, you're not where you want to be, it could be health. And people say that I feel stressed because, and they put this situation. That's not true. There's only one reason you feel stress. And the only reason you feel stress is because you have a rigid idea that this is the way the universe should unfold. My business should be growing, you know, smoothly and preferably hockey stick wise. My clients should be happy and refer other clients to me. But that's not what you're experiencing out there. The universe is going its merry way, paying no attention to what you want to have happen. And you resist it and you resent it. And in that resistance and resentment, you create the stress in your life. And that's the only reason you feel stress in your life. And the key to combating that is to recognizing that you don't have control. You never had control. You never will have control. Can you think of any situation in your life and something happened which is so completely unexpected that it threw all of your plans into a cocktail? Of course you can. Everybody can. Mm -hmm. It's happened to you before. It will happen before. Recognize that that is the journey of life. The expect the unexpected. It will happen. I went to Israel on a vacation. We had been planning it all for the best part of an year. And one day into our vacation, Hamas broke through the wall. And, you know, we had to skedaddle out of Tel Aviv. And we were lucky we made it back to New York. Our vacation plans, gone. All of the money we spent in bookings and airfare and so on, gone. Unexpected stuff happens. Make your peace with that. and. The sooner you do that with the little things that happen in your life, like appointments that suddenly don't show up or uh, meetings that went well, but the client never signs up, recognize that this is all part of the trajectory of life, which goes its own merry way. And enjoy whatever comes in front of you. Don't label it a problem. Label it, this happened. It requires sustained practice on your side, but once you do, you will recognize that you're taking the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune in your life. And the more you do that, and the more you become entrenched in doing that, the more you'll be able to handle the really serious stuff that happens. Yeah, you know, something happened. This could be do or die for my company, and maybe it'll die. That's okay. You know, I'm, I'm not affected. 
unless I decide to let myself be affected. I like to quote the story of Marshall, who was uh, one of the world's great retailers and at one time one of the richest uh, men in America. Mm -hmm. Marshall's, which is the third store that he built, is still there in Chicago. But the first store he built burned down. And he created another store in the same place, and that burned down too. And then he created okay. a third player, and that's the one that still exists as Marshall's. So stuff happens. Simply accept the universe is unpredictable, and uh, uh, I not only accept that, I embrace it. Whatever the universe gives me is fine. There's a famous story about Thomas Edison, and uh, his laboratory was burning, and it was a real place. You know, it was all gone. And he told the son, go wake up your mother and bring her here. And the son says, why? Says, bring her here right away. I don't think she's ever going to see a fire alarm fire again. <laughs> and the next day, he started rebuilding his factory. That's the mindset that I would like my coaching clients to have. And that's what my coaching business is all about. And so we can't control what the universe has in store for us. So what can we control? Uh, what you, there's very little that you can control, but you can accept the fact that you don't have control and be okay with that. And the way to do that is constantly affirming to yourself this is all a game. This is all a drama. This is a soap opera that's going on. And you observe yourself as the actor in the soap opera. Don't identify yourself with the character who's getting pummeled and you know, all kinds of nasty things are happening. So as I tell my clients, if you identify with the actor, you're bold. If you identify with the character, you're screwed. I really... All I like for identifying with the character and I try to get step behind that. And it takes a long time to be fully anchored as the actor. I appreciate that one because especially when I find myself uh, sort of, I don't know, feeling, de feeling down or feeling depressed or somehow in the dumps. And I think it's going to be permanent. I think, oh, this is never going to get better. I'm never going to solve this problem. I'm always going to be stuck in this situation. Um, when I when I think of myself as the character, I have this tremendous doom, right? Like, oh, this is just never going to work out. And when I remember that I'm the actor, then I can see for myself that there's infinite possibilities of wonderful things that can happen from this point forward. But only if I remember that I am the actor and I can take on any type of character role that I choose. I don't always do it. I would say I probably get there like 20, 20 or 30% of the time, something like that. Uh, but I, I feel like I'm making progress. But I just want to share for me when I, when I do that shift, like I notice it. I notice it in my energy. And I can say, oh, there are solutions here. There are opportunities here. There are great things that can happen because of this. When I get stuck in the character, I am a husband. I am the CEO. I am a boss. I am a vendor. I am a blah, blah, you know, whatever it is then I find my my options in life get limited. Like there's just less, I see fewer things happening. Correct. Right on. Yeah, it's, a, you know, one of the things easy to say and people listening probably like, yeah, I get it mentally. And, and then how do I, how do I do it? Another thing that you talked about just a second ago, and I want to go back to this notion of what can I control? So I can control if I view myself as the actor or as the character. Another thing that you mentioned 
is essentially, I'll paraphrase, uh, I can control how I label things. So if something is happening, I can control the meaning that I give to it. I can control what I think it actually is. Can you say more about that? Oh, sure. There's a very famous exercise in my course, and uh, I go through it with all my coaching clients. Whenever something happens, we immediately label it. Anything happens, even trivial things. And it's either good or it's bad, or it's slightly good or it's slightly bad. Hardly anything is neutral. And I invite my clients to think about, did something happen in the past in your life, which at the time it happened, you thought was terrible? Now look back and say, it wasn't so terrible, or maybe even it was good. And they all can. I say, okay, so something happened to you in the past that at the time it happened, you thought was terrible, but you can now look back and say, it was good. Is it possible that what you're today about to label bad could in X years turn out to be good? Is it possible? Just asking themselves that question moves them to a different emotional domain. And if they then ask themselves the next question, what can I actually do to make this a good thing? And they move seamlessly from the realm of despair to the realm of possibility. So it's very simple. Anytime you kind of say, oh, my God, this is terrible. I got hit with, uh, you know, a, a customer who's defaulted and he's complaining and he's all on social media saying how terrible my company is. Is it possible that in X years it could turn out to be a good thing? And when you do that, you're never depressed. you always resilient. You bounce back. I'll give you a quick example. When uh, Lexus, Toyota introduced Lexus into the American market, it was one of the most expensive new product inventions ever. And very shortly after Lexus uh, was introduced, they had to recall every Lexus sold because there was some minor flaw. Okay. Now, that's a big disaster, right? You know, mm. you are introduced with an expensive advertising campaign. Now you have to recall that. But the way Toyota Lexus handled the recall a senior executive from the dealer called up every customer and said, look, thank you for being a Lexus customer. We very much appreciate it. You should know that there is this uh, thing that's happened as a result of it. We have to call your car back to fix it. And they gave them an option. Either you can leave it in a driveway, we'll pick it up, fix it, and give it back. Or you can make an appointment in our showroom and it'll take about 45 minutes and we'll fix it for you. And by the way, this has nothing to do with any safety issue. So some of the people chose to have uh, the dealership pick it up and bring it back to the driveway, and some of them chose to make an appointment. But uh, all the dealers did things, you know, some washed the car and uh, some left a box of chocolates with a thank you note on the windshield, some filled up the gas tank. And at the conclusion of that, loyalty towards Lexus was higher than it had been before the recall. And to this date, Lexus has been among the highest rated in customer satisfaction of any automobile in uh, uh, America. So ask yourself, is what happened, is it necessarily a bad thing? And if not, is there anything I can do to make it a good? And you move seamlessly from the realm of, possi- realm of despair to the realm of possibility. Mm-hmm. These are these are so helpful. You know, I, I this is such a great conversation to to change what we can, and what we can change is how we view the world and how we think about the world. 
Uh, and we, we don't have to be stuck in our old ways of thinking uh, just because we came up with a standard operating model and we're schooled in a certain way and, you know, have, have been in, in, in a, a corporate or work environment that has certain values and ways of thinking does not mean that we can't challenge them. doesn't mean that we can't start to reframe our thinking here. And I think uh, you are such a beacon of wisdom and frankly, provocation in this area because you you are recommending that we all look at these castles and ask, are they built on solid foundation or can we break them up and build something even better? And so I really appreciate that about you. As we wrap up here, uh, there's a couple of things that we'd all be very interested to finding out. Now, you, of course, as we mentioned, have been associated with Conscious Entrepreneur Summit from day one, and you've met hundreds of the attendees. Given all that, what's your definition of a conscious entrepreneur? The definition of a conscious entrepreneur is somebody who recognizes that he is a spiritual being having a human experience. And you run that to say, what I'm going to do is I'm going to increase the level of consciousness of everybody I run into. That includes my employees, that includes my customers, that includes uh, my vendors. Whatever I can do to make this person function at a higher level of consciousness, I'm going to do. And my entire journey is to recognize that I am pure spirit, I am pure awareness, and everything that uh, comes my way, I will view as a tool to help me on my journey. That's a conscious entrepreneur. Woo! I like it. Thank you. Uh, you are obviously someone who spent a lot of time working on yourself and examining your mental models and practicing stillness and finding ways to remove friction in your life and add more peace. What do you do on a day-to-day -day basis? What does your practice look like? My practice basically is I'm trying to make my entire life a meditation. You know, for decades, I've had this mental chatter, which has been running our mind, and the momentum it's gathered is so strong that the notion that we're going to meditate a few minutes a day or something and slow it down, it's not going to happen. The best you can do is slow down the rate of increase of the uh, momentum of this, uh, you know, mind that's been going on for so long. So as Ramana Maharshi said, your entire life has to be a meditation, which means you've constantly got to be aware, you know, the universe is acting through me. I'm merely the instrument. I'm doing what I can to the best of my ability. So keep that always in mind in every action that you take. And I'm trying to do that more and more and more. That's my meditation practice. That's uh, incredibly inspiring. And I'd like to think that, I can also treat my entire life as a meditation and, a, and as an intention. Uh, there's a lot of nobility uh, behind that. I know, Dr. Rao, that in, your, uh, in the syllabus for creativity and personal mastery, you have a huge list of recommended books and resources. And in the back of uh, one of your books, you have another huge list of recommended resources. One of the questions that I always like to ask is, what, do you, you know, what are the books you give away or what are the things that you recommend that people look at? And uh, would love to hear the ones that are probably the least likely 
uh, that uh, you're going to recommend? I would like everybody to be familiar with the works of Ramana Maharshi. Ramana Maharshi was a sage who lived in India, his contemporary. So he lived from the late 19th to the mid 20th centuries. There are people alive today who have actually spent time with him. His life has been intensively documented. Many people have written about his teachings. A good introduction to Ramana Maharshi is a book by Paul Brunton called The Search in Secret India. And that's actually required reading for people who take my course. Mm -hmm. And uh, his teachings are, there are many books of his teachings, but one that I recommend is a book called Be As You Are by David Gottman. And that's fantastic. I'd like everybody to do that. I also want to draw your attention and the attention of those who listen to this podcast to Anthony DeMello, who is a Jesuit priest who's also had a tremendous influence on my life. And in particular, one of his books called Awareness is something that I recommend very highly. Another person who's had a great influence on me is Ramdas. And his seminal classic, of course, is a book called Be Here Now, and I recommend that very highly as well. And uh, I also recommend Michael Singer, particularly his two books, uh, The Untethered Soul and The Surrender Experiment, which I already alluded to earlier in this uh, podcast. I would say if people have read those books, and I've read uh, at least three of them, then you're well on your way to to, yes. to reframing what you think you know and to blowing and to blowing your mind a little bit. Yes. Um, super. Well, I I really appreciate you sharing those, and uh, I just want to reiterate how grateful I am that you've been a part of Conscious Entrepreneur from day one. You've had a tremendous impact on our community. I recommend uh, your books and your work over and over and over because I think it's so important for us to do the work of working on ourselves and in particular working on how we see the world and how we are in the world. And I think you are uh, truly a torchbearer in that regard. So thank you so much for the work that you do. Uh, I appreciate you. I appreciate your generosity and so glad that you could join us today on the Conscious Entrepreneur Podcast. Thank you, Alex. It's my pleasure being here. And could you mention to your listeners that I'm coming over the new program? It's a mastermind program. And uh, it's for those who are interested in coaching with me, but uh, they can't afford my fees because I am high priced. Uh, so if they're interested in that, to reach out to me. My email is srikumar.rao at the rauinstitute.com. Perhaps you could post that someplace and link back to my website. But if they're interested in that and they can become a founding member if they are, so to reach out immediately if this is of interest to them. You bet. We certainly will. Thank you, Alex. It's a pleasure being with you. And can I wish you a wonderful week? Thank you much. Great to see you. Ciao. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Conscious Entrepreneur. If you're ready to go deeper into working on yourself, check out the upcoming events, articles, and resources on our website, which is ConsciousEntrepreneur.us. I'd also really like to thank the team at Hivecast for producing this episode. If you run a podcast and are looking for an awesome full-service production company, make sure to check out Hivecast.